comes home. The pitch swung on. Hit the right field, and the Phillies are going to lead it. Yeah, they are. Bryce Harper has put the Phillies on top with a two-run home run over the out-of-town scoreboard. And the pitch to Alec Bohm. Blasted left field deep. Alvarez back. He turns. He looks. It's gone. It just clears. Lead-off homer here in the second for Alec Bohm on a low laser just over the left field wall. It's his first homer in the playoffs, and it's 3-0 Phillies. Swung on, hit in the air, oh. high and deep, right field. Tucker drifting back to the track at the wall. He jumps, and it's off the top of the wall. Is it a homer? They say yes. Brandon Marsh hits one out over the out-of-town scoreboard. McCormick's going back. He's at the track. He's at the wall. Gone! Wow! Monstrous blast! Call got it looking, and the Phillies are two wins away. A five homer barrage backs the pitching of Ranger Suarez and the Phillies with a seven to nothing win tonight in game three. I had to endure a lot of that during the season when the Dodgers would lose, so it's just uh, appropriate we did that as the open today. Fun. Good job, Jared. Fun. Good job, buddy. Dodgers ever give up five home runs in a single game? That was fun. Dave Roberts ever leave a starter in to give up five home runs in oh, a single game? Oh, he's left in starters way beyond what he should have. Not five me. home runs. Not for five home runs. Not for five. Never happened runs. before. Yeah. Until Dusty Baker got back to the World Series. Good ah, job, you're Dusty. fine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. You I don't think you're I fine? I don't get to use the song Philadelphia Freedom very often. No, exactly. You don't get to uh, use that as, as uh, much as you'd like. If you told me at any point in the year the Astros had to win three out of four to win the World Series against the Phillies, I would have said, absolutely, let's do it. Right. But the margin for error is almost non-existent. They can lose one more time, but it's almost non-existent. So I don't feel fine, <laughs> but I feel okay being down two to one. You still feel okay? Yes. I, there's part. Here's, here's the thing. I think booking plane tickets to go to the World Series... Helped you out? No, as a mistake. Because now, because my, for whatever reason, my main thought is like, I'm not even going to go. Like, the Phillies are going to win two in a row, and I'm not even going to go to the damn World Series. Same thing happened last year. They split at home against Atlanta and then lost the first two in Atlanta and were down three to one. And I was like, I'm not even going to game. There's not going to be a game six. Then they won game five and forced a game six. So I think it's a mistake for me going because I'm sitting here being like, ah. They got to win one more just for me to go watch them. Did play. you go to six last year? Yeah, watched you did. them lose the World Series. They didn't score any runs in that damn game either. They gotta, wow! They got to do this whole run scoring thing. And there was a stat that was like, in the last six World Series, there have been three shutouts, and the Astros have been shut out all three times. Are you serious? Yeah, they've also you know played in four of the last. You know, six. for right. cheaters, they're in the World Series. You're always no. in the World Series. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's not great. The first bite. Will the Golden Knights ever lose again? Man. And you can vote on the poll at on Twitter. They don't even lead in games and win. Last two games, they haven't even led to the last yeah, shot. Two in a row, just wait till overtime. Yeah, just wait till OT and they'll win. They are nine two and zero and have five straight wins. The interesting part there on the not leading until the very end until overtime. 
yesterday, uh, Ryan Walsh is on the show, and he sort of threw out the idea that Golden Knights, if they score first, the way Bruce Cassidy's system is set up, the way Bruce Cassidy wants this team to play, which is to be really good defensively, not give up any high danger chances, just you, you'll you'll seed possession, right? They'll let the other team have the puck, but they're just going to let them skate around and shoot from the outside of the offensive yeah. zone. And basically what Ryan said was, hey, if they get the lead, especially when they play a bad team or a team that's not a true cup contender, they're probably going to win. They're probably going to hold on to that lead more often than not. And so the interesting flip side to that, that I didn't even ask, think to ask Ryan yesterday, but the interesting flip side to that is, well, can you come back and win, right? If you're, if your strategy is we want to score first and then sort of hold them off, right? right? Sit back and hold them off. Can you come from behind and win a cross sport reference is like air force football. Yeah, you want to right. run the if option, they get up, then but what happens when it. you're down 14 nothing, right. or something like that? Right. And here's what the Golden Knights have done so far. Uh, in their 11 games, they have trailed in six of them. Uh, obviously, the two games they lost, Colorado and Calgary, they trailed in those games, did not win those games, didn't come back and take the lead either. But they do have four wins when losing. Uh, they were down one nothing in the opener to the Kings after the first period, came back to win. They're actually down 2-1 to the Sharks going into the third period, came back to win. And then the last two games, down 1-0 to Winnipeg early in the third, won in overtime. Last night, down 2-1 in the third, won that one in overtime, which we're 11 games into the season. It's not a lot. And the Golden Knights schedule has been, I mean, it hasn't been super easy, but it hasn't been extremely difficult. It hasn't difficult. been extremely hard, though. So it's it might be too early to say that, but so far the Golden Knights have kind of shown they can win in any game state. Like just because they fall behind doesn't mean they can't come back and win. And and when they take a lead, like most teams, they can win games, right? So like last night, third period when they're losing, their Corsi was sixty three percent, their expected goals was seventy five percent. They right. dominated the third right. period last night. They were so much better than Washington. So they've they've shown so far regardless of sort of what the game state is, they can win. It does, they don't, they're not a team that has to take the lead to win. They can come from behind and actually win some of these games. And again, the big caveat I think so far is all of those comeback wins, LA, San Jose, Winnipeg, and Washington, none of those teams are true Stanley Cup contenders. Maybe one or two of those teams makes the playoffs, but those aren't the best teams in the league. The two good teams they've played, they've fallen behind and have not been able, able to, to come, come back, back and take the lead. So maybe once we get further into the season and they've played more of the high-end teams, maybe we're looking around saying, oh, they struggle to come back against the good teams because they're good. But as of right now, they've shown that, hey, just because they fall behind, they're able to come back and win games. Yeah, they needed to win last night. It was three and four for Washington, yeah. back-to-back. I mean, you needed you needed to come back and win that one. Uh, Washington, like you said, I think, and I think the reason – one of the reasons they dominated in the third was it was the third and fourth nights for Washington. And by the time you get to the third in one of those games, you're probably, your legs are feeling and tired. So Carrier scoring that goal and then Theodore in overtime is just, he's absolutely money. Eighth eighth time in overtime, he has scored the winner seventh for the Golden Knights. He is uh, a, he's he's a very good player, but the, the fewer players on the ice, the better shape Theodore. Yeah, because of the spacing and his skating. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. he, True. He, I believe he's been really good in shootouts his entire career. I'd yes. have to look at what his exact numbers yes. are, but he's been very good in shootouts. And the less people on the ice, he's very good. It's like, I mean, the Jack Eichel goal against Winnipeg, that does not happen when it's five on five, right? No. You don't you don't get to Possibly. skate around no. the offensive zone. You just go right in seconds. there and try to deke him right. out. 
And then the same thing here. Jack Eichel held the puck again for like mm-hmm. seven, eight seconds. Yep. Not quite as long. And then passed it to Theodore, who, you know, it was very... It was very much like a soccer goal. Like Shea Ovechkin Theodore. Ovechkin kind of O-laid there. Yeah. Like he Shea, didn't even touch him. Shea Theodore made like a run behind the defender, and it was a good pass. Like, those are two players so far that look like they're much better, the fewer players on the ice. So when they go to three-on-three overtime, right. you kind of expect one of those two to do something. The only problem with, like, the whole overtime stuff and the Golden Knights being good and Eichel looking great, it's completely irrelevant in the playoffs because you don't play three-on-three right, overtime. Exactly. Like, exactly. It's fun. No doubt about it, it's fun, but it's it's not... To me, there's no like important analysis from hey, Eichel was great in overtime again because that's completely irrelevant for the postseason. No, playoffs are yeah. regular, regular five on five. Unless we get so many penalties that they're playing three on three hockey at some point in a postseason game, which maybe is possible. Um, one thing here that I'm I'm curious on with Eichel for you, do you think he's outperformed expectations? I don't. I don't know if he's outperformed expectations, given how good he said good they said he was in the beginning. You know, I mean, as good as when they traded for him, and they said when he got healthy he would be this good. Uh, I'm not so sure he has a. a I, I think the expectations were that this is who they traded for, and this is the kind of player he was. So you think he's effectively I think this met is who expectations? He is. So right now, uh, Jack Eichel through 11 games has five goals and seven assists. Over an 82-game schedule, which, you know, will he play 82? Most guys don't end up playing the full 82. But over an 82-game schedule, that would be 37 goals and 52 assists. Uh, that would be the highest amount of goals he's ever scored and the second most assists he's ever had in his career. But it's not like blowing things out of the water, right? He's had a couple of 40-assist season. He's had a 36-goal season. He's had a 28-goal season. So it's slightly better than what he's been throughout his career. Um, I think the curious part is, do you get this Jack Eichel the entire season? Right? Is he going to be this consistent? Right. This good. Right. Where you're you're basically getting a goal every other game and an assist three out of four. Yeah. Right? If he can be this consistent, that's going to go a long way for the Golden Knights not having long losing streaks or, you know, losing five of six or whatever it is. Like, that's going to help a lot. Obviously, goaltending needs to sort of stay at a consistent level, too. But if they can have a guy who you can count on, right? Every other game, basically, he's going to score. score. And, you know, 75% of the games, he's going to have an assist. That's going to go a long way to having, you know, droughts where, uh uh-oh, they haven't scored for a week. Right. right? Where you look around saying they've got two goals in the last four games or something stupid like that. that. If he can do it consistently, I think the curious part to me is, is this a peak? Right? Is this like an 11 game and this is as good as he gets for 11 games? And then we're going to have some sort of valley at some point where he goes on a 10-game stretch where he has two points or something like that? That's what I, Is this just him the rest of the season, or is this the peak of what he does over a 10-11 game stretch? Because of him, are you more satisfied with the fact that they'll score enough? Because before the season, what did we all say? It was like with UNLV basketball, like who's going to score? <laughs> You know, how, how are they going to create off? We, we talk about, will UNLV score? Will the Golden Knights score? Meanwhile, it's the Raiders who got shut out. Yeah, exactly. The Raiders <laughs> got shut out. But um, I mean, it, has his play softened your view on that they'll be able to score enough? And he's no, only one player. No. Because, right. okay, they've won the last two games, right? They've beaten Washington and Winnipeg. But there have been times in the last two games that I've been watching the Golden Knights, and my thought was they are losing a postseason series because they can't score. 
especially that Winnipeg game. But there's a little bit against Washington, too, where they were pushing, they were dominating, and were, were struggling to score. And we've seen that so many times with this organization where they get into a postseason series, they're the favorite, they're better than the opponent, they control the shots and chances. They can't score. And they can't score. And they just, they just can't put something in the back of the net. And I've just, the last two games, just watching them, I'm like, oh, same thing's going to happen. They're going to get to the postseason and they're just going to run in. They're going to run into the hot goalie again when right. it's really them not being able to score. Like, I just, I felt that the last two games, despite the wins, that if this, that when this team gets eliminated from the postseason, it's going to be, oh, they played a seven game series and they gave up 12 goals and they still managed to lose the <laughs> yeah, series. They because, scored eight. Right. Because they didn't score at all in a seven game series. Just want to real quick update the poll. Will the Golden Knights ever lose again? Yes is pulling at a solid 0%. The poll's been up for like no, 10 minutes. It, hold on. No. <laughs> many votes? No is pulling at 10%. Why is this a poll? Is polling at 20% and plain white toast is leading the pack with 70%. So does that mean there's 10 votes? Yes. Seven, that, two, that's, there's yeah. exactly 10 votes. Okay. And plain white toast. How many burner accounts do you have to vote for plain white toast? I, I I didn't even vote. I just retweeted it, which I noticed neither of you did. Yeah, I'll do it All in the break. Right. You're we'll both tagged. We're on, we're on the we'll radio, the Jared. We're trying to do a radio we'll segment right here. I have seen you go back to back with certain members of Twitter during the middle of Ed Graney and I talking. Yeah, because when you start talking, I just stop listening. There's no need to keep listening anymore. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into some NFL because what, what the hell? The NFL trade deadline was good? The two favorite candies for sure. Uh, peanut coated M&M's. I mean, I, I love those peanut M&M's actually. And then uh, Mr. Goodbar. It seems like every time I walk by Mr. Goodbar, he calls me, you know, and says, Andy, come eat me. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. When did the NFL trade deadline become so great? We talked about this yesterday. It was never was. Yesterday was they made ten. There were ten yeah. trades. Yeah, yesterday before uh, on the show we're like, why can't it be more like the, you know, the NHL or the NBA when actually things happen and people get excited? Uh, the probably the biggest trade: the Dolphins added Bradley Chubb from the Denver Broncos. Uh, Miami sent a first round pick and a fourth round pick plus Chase Edmonds to Denver to get Bradley Chubb and a fifth rounder back. So that's a lot on the Miami side. Where do they rank in the AFC right now? Uh, I have not changed yet. I went Baltimore yesterday. It's been a new day. So I'll just say they're third because <laughs> I go day to day on this stuff. <laughs> the AFC has two clear top teams in Buffalo and Kansas city. And then after that, we've had this discussion for a better part of the season. Who is third best, right? If Baltimore could hold on to a lead in the fourth quarter, they would probably be in that category with Buffalo in Kansas City, but they still find a way to blow double-digit leads in the fourth. I think there is a legitimate chance that Miami ends up as the third best team in the AFC at the end of the year. Um, I think I'm all on board with Mike McDaniel as like the next star head coach. Yeah. I think so. Like, I hope so. I know they've got Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell, but their offense is unbelievable, and I'm not convinced Tua is actually this good. Do you think they overpay for Chubb? No, I mean you gotta you gotta 
edge rusher. That's one of the most important positions, right? With an excellent name. It's a it's a high priority position. So you give up a first round pick for the high priority positions. That's not terrible. I mean, it's it's a lot, but it's not terrible. And the, here here's the part that's interesting for Miami. And this is the only reason why I think you maybe wouldn't make the trade for Chubb. They're still the second best team in their division. And True. barring a Buffalo collapse, they're going to have to be a wild card. Their path to winning a Super Bowl is going to be unbelievably difficult. Yeah. Like most likely if uh, when we get to the postseason, the Dolphins are not going to catch Buffalo. They're going to be a wild card, which means they're going to open their playoff run on the road against either Baltimore or Tennessee, Mm -hmm. right? And if they win that, they're probably going to either Buffalo or Kansas City City. for their second game. And if they win that, they're going to the the other one that they didn't play in the previous round. And that's to get to the Super Bowl. So your potential run just to get to the Super Bowl could be at Baltimore, at Kansas City, at Buffalo. That's that's going to be nearly impossible. You will have earned it if you get there. Right. That's going to be nearly impossible to pull off. So it, they're in a tough spot because I think there's a genuine argument. And I think when we get to the end of the season, there's a real chance. This team is the third best team in the AFC, and they're going to have the most difficult path to the Super Bowl right. of basically any team in the league. So if you look at it from that viewpoint, winning the Super Bowl seems very, very unlikely for Miami this season. So maybe you don't give up the first for Bradley Chubb. However, the key for Miami here, this is not like, Hey, we've got one year to do it. Miami should be good again next mm-hmm. season, right? They're going to have Tua Waddle and Tyree kill back. Uh, Bradley Chubb can be back next year too. Like this isn't a one year thing. So the, it's not like they traded away a first and they're going to get five games of Bradley Chubb and that's it. So I really like Miami. I just don't think there's a legitimate Super Bowl hope because of the path they're going to have to go through. So what does this say on the other end in terms of the Broncos? Did they give up? Did they give up in the season? They're ahead of the Raiders. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, I mean, that's a huge, yeah. guy, to, a huge guy to move. You when give you, up one of your best players. On and, your best side of the ball. And listen, they got a first-round pick out. I don't, I don't blame them for the value they got back in return, right? They called them up and said, hey, we got a first-round plot. First round and another pick and a running back. Not that running backs are that important, but like they got good value for Bradley Chubb. It's probably what they should have done. But it is interesting that you have a team that's three and five that came into the year expecting to be a playoff team, right? That came into the year thinking, oh, if things go right, we can win the Super Bowl. Things have not gone right. And they still trade away one of their better players for a first round pick, which is very much a, you know, a rebuilding, a sell move. It does feel like it's a, hey, we don't believe in this team. We don't think this team's doing oh, anything. Yeah. And somebody offered us a first round pick. We're not going to say no to that when we don't think we're going to be any good. So yeah, I think that is to an extent the Broncos giving up on this season, right? They only made the one trade. So it's not like they gutted their team, but it definitely does feel like Denver's saying, Hey, uh, we're not doing anything this year. So let's get some assets that'll help us for next season and see what happens then. But that is a, uh, Interesting place to be if you're the Broncos after eight games of Nathaniel Hackett and Who Russell three Wilson. Three and five, uh, yeah. Because the other part that I wonder, maybe I'm I'm drawing too many conclusions. They already made up their mind on Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, it's a great question. I don't know if they've already made up their mind, like, but that's that's kind of a jump, I think. 
like so they're far. like they're looking at it saying we're three and five. Head coach has been a disaster. We can't get out of the we quarterback contract. We might as well contract. move this guy because we yeah. can get a first round pick for yeah. him. Like we we need to do something to help us for next season. When he's not around, we don't care about this season anymore. We don't care if Nathaniel Hackett goes three and thirteen, three and fourteen, or nine and eight. So we'll trade away because Bradley we're getting Chubb rid of him. Yeah, because yeah, we're dumping him no matter what. So we might as well trade the first for Bradley Chubb, or trade Bradley Chubb for the first, and help the new coach next year have a new have <laughs> whoever a that might pick. be. Yeah, I don't know. I probably I'm probably making too big of a leap, but that to me is something that uh, jumps out there. Uh, what do you think of the Calvin Ridley trade? Well, it was weird because he's already he's still serving a suspension. Yeah, I thought that was very strange. Uh, uh, indefinite suspension. It's not right. even guaranteed he's coming back. That's the interesting part. He gets suspended for a year at least, and it's indefinite. Yeah. He's got to apply for reinstatement, reinstatement and all that. I love the trade for Jacksonville because they sent a uh, for a fifth and a fourth to. Or they gave up a fifth and a fourth for fifth Calvin Ridley. For now, Calvin Ridley. the fourth can become a second-round pick if Ridley does come back and if Ridley signs an extension with Jacksonville. So this is potentially a second-round pick. But ultimately, they might have given up a second and a fifth or something for a legitimate number one wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a real chance that's what happened here because Calvin Ridley had 1,300 yards the last time he played a full season. Right? He got injured in 2021, and he's obviously suspended this year. But the last time he played a full season, he had 1,300 yards. And sure, he will have been out of football for almost you know two years by the time he comes back. But there's a chance this guy is a true number one receiver, and you gave up a second and a fifth for him. The Raiders just gave up a first and a second for Devontae Adams, right? Like so many receivers were traded for first round picks this offseason, and the Jags did not have to do that. And there's a chance that they got a number one guy. And here's the thing: if if Ridley never plays for Jacksonville. If he does play and isn't any good and they don't sign him, it's a fifth and a fourth, right? That's uh, almost nothing. Right. So I love the trade for Jacksonville. I think they're confident that after sitting out a year, he's going to be reinstated. I believe so too. And here's the other part. If you're Jacksonville, this is the same idea with the Broncos. You're looking to next season, right? Like you're making it. It's it's unconventional because it's a guy that's suspended, but you're making a trade for next season right now. And that's what you should be doing if you're a team that's not in the playoff picture, and that's what Jacksonville did. So I love the trade for Jacksonville, right? Obviously, it doesn't help you at all this year, but no, I love it. I, I think that's a phenomenal move that uh, other teams probably and like should you said, have made. And like you said, a fourth and a fifth for a first round or for, for a number one receiver is right. almost nothing. Right. If he works, if he ends up, if being, he ends that, up being that. And terrific. even if he comes back and is great, and you have to give up a second. You still have a number one receiver oh. who comes back and is great. Yeah, and you don't even worry about the second anymore. Again, right. the Raiders give up first and a second for Devontae Adams to get one catch for three yards against the Saints. Like, they gave up a second and a fifth if he ends up being that good. So, I think phenomenal trade. Coming up next, Lindsey Brown joins the show. Quick up, Petrangelo shoots it off the high glass behind the goal. Knights do it in the middle of the shot. Off the post and into the goal. That was on the tape. William Carrier. Finds the back of the net. Vegas ties it 2-2 with six minutes to play. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now is Lindsey Brown. Lindsey, I have an important question for you. How far did you drive to eat a fast food burger yesterday? 
just like about two hours. It was a little quick trip to St. George, and it wasn't just for the Culver's guys. Like it was for wow, the vibe you had Culver's? I had to Art Village too. Like it's just it's part of the adventure. But thank you for asking. Two, so four hours round trip is what you're telling me for a burger. You Worth can tell it. me about all this Art Village stuff, but it's four hours round trip for a burger. It's a great time for a disassociative music listening. So I had a hell of a time. <laughs> What's an Art Village? <laughs> Okay, so they have, like, these little houses, and it's, like, this community, and then they have a town square where they all sell their art, and it's kind of, like, a little bit off the beaten path. However, I was noticing there was a lot of developments going up around there, so I was not happy, but there's some people that don't really want to be part of the flow that are creating their own, and so I like them. I always go to this little labyrinth that they have built out there, and then I buy a piece of art. I got a new necklace yesterday. I'm feeling great. Nice. Good for you. Yeah. A necklace and a burger. Thank you. Lindsey Brown. It was, great, it, it was a great burger, guys. It was amazing. And a hot fudge banana shake. Don't forget. Wow. Why would we forget that? Good for you. Strong. Thank you. I was going to do the Lindsey Brown from this show as my uh, reset. But anyway, so like an art community smells really good, right? I mean, it's fine. There's lots of open air. And so there's that's not really a concern that has uh, come up. But. I, I just, it's a lot of good people that are living a little bit different of a pace. And so I like going to see them. I, it's kind of like my dream to live in one of those communities someday. So, all right. I know we've talked about this before with the Golden Knights goaltenders, but it's becoming imminent with Laurent Brossois on a conditioning stint here. If you were in charge of the Golden Knights, what would you do with the three goalies? Well, we know that the only guy of those three that's waiver exempt is Logan Thompson, and the oh. team is no stranger oh. to sending Don't people do down, Uh-oh. wink, wink, sending them down, Uh-oh. which is just stay in your apartment and talk to nobody, and we'll get this all sorted out. And so once LB's rehab stint ends, like, I'm shopping him. Like, I'm shopping him on the trade block because I think we're running with Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. Both have been great to start this season, more than great. Um, and, and I, I just wouldn't want that controversy. It has nothing to do with LB. Like LB is a great net miner. Like he can be great. And there's some teams that are looking for guys exactly like him. And so I'm shopping him and doing all of the things that I can to make sure that I'm not disrupting our top two net miners right now. And so that might be, we send them down for a day and then we bring them back up. Maybe it's send a forward down. You send like Jake LeShizen down or Paul Cotter. I don't know. I'm not paid to make these decisions, but I know who my two at minors are, and I try to insulate them as much as humanly possible. So you wouldn't, at least on a short-term basis, or would you carry three just to see what it would look like? I mean, you could carry three. They're on the road for a bit here, and so it would be kind of a weird situation in terms of, like, practice time and making sure that everybody gets reps and stuff. And so... But all of these guys, you know, they're professionals. They should be able to figure it out. But there is something to getting reps and getting practice and, and not having to share a net. And like I said, I just I don't want to disrupt these two guys and whatever they have in terms of getting themselves prepared and then using each other to help themselves get prepared because this is a team thing and it's a goaltending department uh, effort right now. So the idea that they could send Logan Thompson down because he's waiver exempt, even if it was just for like two days and he doesn't even miss a game or something, would that matter? You, you're going to tell us about momentum and psychological stuff. Oh, no. Would that matter? Like, would that hurt well, if he Logan doesn't Thompson? Miss a start, I really don't care. Like, if he's not, if he doesn't miss a game, I really don't care. And we, and you just talk to me like, this is what we're doing. This is what it means. It is no reflection of you. Like, they all have these conversations. And so I, I would think that he would understand that. 
I just, again, it's about not disrupting the, the physical part, the manifestation of the actual playing of hockey. But if he has to get sent down to like play a game, then I'm like, eh, I don't know about that, but you got to do what you got to do. Maybe <laughs> then you look at the forward group and say, all right, we're going to send one of you guys down. I'd rather take it on the chin that way. How do you feel about the idea that the Golden Knights goaltenders have been good this year because they're just system goalies and they're not actually playing that well? I hate it and I love it because everything can be true, right? And they can be playing well and the team can be playing well in front of them. Uh, The Golden Knights are leading the league in block shots right now. They're obviously putting them in lower danger areas. They're forcing teams to kind of work them way work their way into better looks and better shots. And trust me, it wasn't their best game last night. And it wasn't even Thompson's best game last night. But there's something different about this team in terms of their confidence if they're not finding the score sheet. Like I've talked a lot about with you guys and, and in the past about how this team and their confidence level gets so dinged up the longer they go without scoring. And that seems kind of obvious, but in terms of how you generate momentum in hockey. It's really important. And I'm really enthused of the last couple games. Well, they haven't played well, but they've been low scoring. And then their big guys step up. And that's where, that's what's been missing with this team in the past, where it's like, oh, it's a two to one game and they can't figure it out. We just, you know, keep firing at the goal. We out shoot them just like we have the last few games and nothing happens. But that's the difference that Jack Eichel brings to this. That's the difference in terms of the goal that he scores, which is just like, an absolute nasty wrister short side uh, right off the post and then setting up the OT winner for Shea Theodore. Because the team is different when Mark Stone scores, when Shea Theodore scores, and now when Jack Eichel scores. It just comes with a different type of lift. So we asked this earlier about the biggest player and the best player. Has he over? He has he outperformed expectations already? Well, it depends on what your expectations are, right? I Honestly, I think there's more in him. <laughs> and that's the scary part because he's already on a tear. And now he's starting to score again. He's not just getting the apples. He's not just you know, getting those primary assists. He's taking those shots that he, that he has done in the past where it's not always what you would expect, but it's something that he can hit. Like the fact that he did score that goal last night from as far out, he uses the screen and places it that perfectly. Like most guys don't have the cojones to do that shot because they know it's probably not going to work. But that's where he's at right now. And I think the, the line change where they put Chandler Stevenson on the wing, he's done great. And, and Stone getting back up to speed as well. I think there's more in him, but you don't want to expect that much more because there's a difference between um, pressure helping you and, and pushing you in pressure kind of uh, pressing down on you. And I just feel like he's getting so much more free. And he can certainly get better in other areas of his game. But in terms of what you bring him on the team for, what you pay him the big bucks for, that's to put pucks in the net coming up all uh, all daisies right now. Lindsey Brown with us. Uh, did you ever score a goal as a goalie? Uh, I did not. I did not. I've gotten a few assists, though. Okay. Did you ever Did you ever try? Was there ever a, I'm shooting at the empty net while playing goalie? It's not about me, guys. It's just about getting the puck out of the zone <laughs> yeah. and making sure that the team Make sure the momentum is, is with the team. Yeah. You're not still playing, Lindsey. You don't have to give us some coach speak answer. <laughs> I just, I wouldn't have ever really tried it because I was probably having too much of a panic attack to do it. That's a hard thing. Like it, to shoot the puck that far down and and to have enough gumption on it and the accuracy, like that's a really really tough skill to have. And so it's there's a lot that goes into it. I don't think I ever tried, but, but think of the momentum you could have created for the following <laughs> game. Think of it oh, for the, the following point. game. You know, all you, the inspiration. Yeah, you playing back to back and you, you you score one one night. That that carries over because that's what momentum does, right? It carries three, five, over. Three five, three five. 
I always say don't live your life with regrets, but now apparently I have one. There, there you go. Um, so do you get excited when somebody like Aiden Hill tries to launch one the length of the ice into an empty net? I mean, it's cool. Wow, I, I, I you do not bit. have the enthusiasm I, for this that I thought you would. It's, it's okay. I mean, it, it's a cool thing to have because so few people have have achieved it, especially at that level. The last person was Kakarina. Guess what number he wore? Um, just a couple of years ago. <laughs> not 35, but, apparently. <laughs> Oh, definitely 35 this year. It's in the rafters already. Uh, I, I'd much rather make like a, a windmill save or a backdoor save that nobody else thought I was going to get. But to each their own, to each their own. I mean, scoring a goal is way better than a windmill save. Come on now. You can no, do the windmill no. save. Stopping, stopping someone else is much better than imposing your will on another. Oh, I'm telling you. By it's the way, a different type of rocket fuel. By the way, 90% of windmill saves are fake. Shut your mouth. 90% because they want to make it look like yeah, they did 90 something 90% the puck is okay, shot directly into the glove. And then they and then, then they, they do the windmill it. action to make yeah. it look like it was a great save. Yeah, yeah. They're not that good. They're mostly overrated. What were you saying, Lindsay? I personally was not an embellisher. I would just, like, hold it, you know, once you make that save and you just hold it where it is. And then sometimes if you're feeling really good, you have the Jonathan Quick where I just, like, toss it to the face off. I wasn't the huge arm rotation. You know, it's like a, like a pitcher's arm out there, but... What the hell happened to your team last night, Tyler? It's a struggle, boss. All right. She is yeah. Lindsay Brown. Thanks Good for joining job. us, Lindsay. Yeah, Lindsay, 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 Lindsay Brown look at some this show. <laughs> no momentum for tonight. No, momentum oh, better not be I'll real. All right. Uh, Lindsay, I'm glad you drove four hours round trip for to get a burger. burger. It was worth it. I like uh, the, I like the sound of that shake, though. Yeah. We got a date set up. One of these days, Edvard. One of these days. All right, kid. I, I think you can get, get a shake, shake somewhere that's no, not two hours dude, away. That's not two hours away? <laughs> yeah. It's not the same. It's probably better here. Yeah, you're right. Do I, I just you. leave Lindsay's mic up the entire Do I just leave her on the phone? For no, the yeah. hang up. Hang up okay, on Lindsay. She's yelling at the Bye. Astros. Bye. Bye, Lindsay. So there's Lindsay Brown. Um, I just wanted to mention something. I don't know what channel our television is on, but they have been playing a um, <laughs> infomercial what? for a uh, dash cam. And the entire commercial has just been showing car accidents. And I've jumped a couple of times because it looks like you're the driver. And then all of a sudden the car just gets hit out of nowhere. It's very, it's more distracting than anything we've ever put on this TV. Oh, whoa, whoa. Ed hasn't stopped looking at it since I mentioned it. Not early, early 2000s charmed. Early 2000s charmed is very distracting for this group. It is, but I it's it's one of the most attractive things. I don't even know how we got to infomercial for dash cam about car accidents. I think but... I turned it on and just assumed it'd be on like NFL Insider. No, we got the dash remote cam info. is in front of you. I don't change the channel in here. Coming up next, the Nets are gonna hire who? You're dehumanizing me, Kyrie. I'm a Jewish man. Okay. Descendant of People who died in gas chambers and got incinerated by Nazis. You're dehumanizing me by putting on your platform a book and a movie that is filled with anti-Semitic tropes that are designed or eventually lead to the dehumanization of me and my children and my ancestors who died because they were Jewish. It's not funny. It's not hilarious. And I can't believe I got to tell someone from Duke who clearly is smart enough to know. Yeah, I mean, you're not promoting it with like a tour. It's not like a book tour or a movie tour. But when you put it in front of 4 million people who might not have already heard about it or know about it, 
you're promoting it. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Do we believe Kyrie's smart because he went to Duke? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know people who went to schools like that who are not the brightest people in the room. I got into Columbia. But you didn't go. Two different things. Okay. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, I actually don't think Kyrie Irving is dumb. I think Kyrie, Kyrie Irving lacks the ability to know what is a quality source and what is a <laughs> non-quality is source. something they teach you in college. In college. Yeah. I just I, I I think that's probably one of the problems in the last five to ten years with the internet becoming the most prevalent part of everybody's life is it's very important to know what is a good and what is a bad source of information. Well, Twitter alone. Yeah. But just like having the ability to read or watch something and make some sort of decision for yourself that this is a good or a bad source is very important. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to read whatever you read on the internet and, and believe whatever you believe. And, and yeah. talk about it. And I think that's one of the biggest problems for Kyrie Irving is his inability to distinguish between what's a good and what's a bad source. Now, but they picked him over Steve Nash. I think Steve Nash picked. Uh, I think Steve Nash picked peace of mind <laughs> over Kyrie Irving. Uh, He's like, well, I should just go back to Canada. Yeah. Now, yesterday, after Steve Nash was fired by the Nets. Sham Sharni reported that the Nets are looking at M.A. Udoka to be their next head coach. He is currently suspended <laughs> by the Boston Celtics um, for a violation of team rules. There has not been an actual... The Celtics have not come out and said exactly what he did other than violation of team rules. There has been some reporting and some assumptions from bad sources, maybe, on the internet about... M.A. Udoka sleeping with a female staff member of the Boston Celtics. What I mean, are the Nets doing? This is the guy you go. I know he was an assistant there before, so they know him. He was an assistant under Nash, I think, for a year before Boston hired him. But you already have the kind of dysfunction of Kyrie and this entire organization. And now you're going to go get a guy who's serving a suspension for possibly. And, uh, it's not only this reports, and I agree with you, you go back to the sources reports, but some of the seem legitimate in terms of who covers this league, that he slept with a female staff member and he used derogatory language towards her. And this is the first guy you think of? Because why? He took to the Celtics to the NBA Finals the year before? I mean, that has because to be it because he won. They read that Tribe Guys drama as, we need that in our locker room. <laughs> to be completely honest with you, if you're the Nets, you might as well do it. If you're keeping Kyrie Irving around, you might as well lean all the way into it. All the way into the dysfunction? You might as well. Like, if you're if you're going to keep Kyrie Irving, what's a coach that's suspended for sleeping with a staff member? That's not... It's, honestly, that's nothing. Right. I mean, nothing yeah, compared it, to Kyrie yeah. Irving. Like... <laughs> like, you might... Like, if there's a team in the At league right now... At least he's not promoting a video that quotes Adolf Hitler. Right. Fake quotes Adolf Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Um, like it's just, it's incredible. And Sean Marks, the GM of the nets, um, he talked yesterday, which by the way, it was funny that he said, well, we're not going to let Kyrie Irving talk to the media because we don't need any more of that. (laughs) Um, but he gave this quote yesterday. I'm going to be honest. We have a window here. And when we have this group of players in this salary cap, 
we hope to achieve that. This is to achieve this winning is, a championship. This is all about winning an NBA right. title, right? Yeah. They Sean Marks and the and the Brooklyn Nets are basically looking at this and saying, "We think we can win a championship, even if Kyrie Irving is going to cause us headaches, even if Ma Udoka is going to give us headaches. We think we can win a championship, and Udoka's the best available coach, even though he's not kind, he's kind of available, but he's the best coach you can land at this moment. That's what they're doing. They are." They are putting winning a championship ahead of any off-the-court issues. And at the moment, they have the most off-the-court. I mean, does anybody have more? Draymond Green's punch I has kind of gone the away. The Browns? Well, in the NBA. But, <laughs> like, they've got the most, and they're basically willing to ignore it because they think they can win a title. And Isn't it funny how Kevin it. Durant's been the most normal person in this entire situation? <laughs> With his We're, burners? You know, yeah. got I mean, his you don't even Twitter hear counts. from him. Yeah. He's just sensitive. He's just on Twitter a lot. <laughs> You don't even hear from him. (laughs) On most teams, Kevin Durant having burner accounts would be like the biggest, you know, public issue that a team would have. On the Nets, it's like, yeah, keep tweeting, Kevin. Like, whatever burner account you got, that just don't tweet out any (laughs) anti-Semitism on them, and you're good, Kevin. You can can insult our fans all you want. Just don't be anti-Semitic, and we're good to go. Like, God, what a team. Unbelievable. And here's the thing. I've said for a couple days on this show now, like the Nets should probably just get rid of Kyrie Irving. Like it, I think they would be better off. Yeah, but if it goes back so. to your point that they think they can win a championship, they, they clearly not are not to. going to. They're not going to. Clearly not going to. And the other part with Kyrie Irving and the Nets and where they are in this situation, Kyrie Irving has shown absolutely no remorse. There's been absolutely no. Oh no, no, I don't think he will. There's no apology. There's even there's not even accountability for no. like, oh, I didn't I didn't realize what that video or right. documentary was. Right. What like none whatsoever, which to me begs the question, what happens next with Kyrie? Because I don't think he changes. Something's going to happen again. And oh, you mean uh, controversial? He yes. goes on Joe yes. Rogan's podcast. Yeah. And how much are the Nets willing to put up with? They're willing to put up with a lot so far. Right, so I think they're going to, you know, short of something completely illegal. Right. And getting arrested or something into that realm. Right. I think they're willing to put up with anything with him. And that, to me, is the fascinating part. Because I truly believe Kyrie Irving is going to tweet or say something again that's going to be controversial before this season ends. Mm-hmm. Because he's not faced any punishment from this, ever. But he just won't be able to talk about it. Because <laughs> they're not allowing him to Why speak to the media. Why wouldn't he talk about it? I mean, if you're, if you're the Nets... Not letting Kyrie Irving talk to the media is probably the only good thing they've done this week. 